Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to Photon Control fourth quarter and full year 2020 earnings conference call and webcast. Joining us for today's call are Photon Control's Chief Executive Officer, Nigel Hunton, and Chief Financial Officer, Damian Towns. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode. The conference call is being recorded today, Thursday, March 18, 2021, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star then 0. Before we begin today's call, Photon Control would like to remind our listeners that certain portions of today's conference call may contain forward-looking statements that reflect management's current plans, beliefs, estimates, projections, expectations, opinions, and projections with respect to future events. Any such statements are based on certain assumptions and that's subject to risks and uncertainties that could could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in these forward-looking statements. Forward-looking statements contained in today's conference call are made as of today's date, and you should not place any undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. Photon Control does not undertake any obligation to update publicly or to revise any of the included forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as may be required by applicable securities laws. For more information on the company's risks and uncertainties relating to these forward-looking statements, please refer to the risks and assumptions outlined in the company's public disclosure. In particular, the company's most recently filed MD&A and annual information form, which are available on the company's website or www.cedar.com. All dollar amounts mentioned in today's conference call are Canadian dollars unless otherwise stated. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Nigel Hunton, the Chief Executive Officer of Photon Control. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. I am Nigel Hunton, Photon Control's Chief Executive Officer, and along with Damien Towns, our Chief Financial Officer. I would like to welcome everyone and thank you for joining us for our fourth quarter and full year 2020 results conference call. This morning, Photo Control released its financial statements and MD&A for the quarter and year ended December 31st, 2020. I am pleased to report strong financial results for the fourth quarter of 2020 with revenues ahead of guidance, which Damien will touch upon shortly. Q4 revenues were $14.9 million as a result of continued strength in the wafer fab equipment or WFE market, and the accelerating capital spending momentum witnessed in the industry as we exited the year. At the time of our last earnings call, WFE industry growth expectations for 2020 were approximately 15%. The very healthy spending environment in Q4 
led to full-year growth approaching 18% over 2019, to total nearly US $60 billion, a new record. Within this backdrop, Photon's growth well outpaced the industry in 2020. Total revenue for the year was a record $64.7 million, nearly doubling over 2019's revenue of $32.7 million. With gross margin performance on track for Q4 at 55% and for the full year ahead of our model at 60%, delivering record earnings which grew far greater than revenue. We generated $23 million of EBITDA and $20 million in operating cash flow for the year, adding $15 million in cash to our balance sheet in 2020. And we also exited 2020 with record year-end backlog of over $30 million demonstrating the continued robust demand for our products and setting the stage for increasing momentum as we enter 2021. Photo Control's strong results in 2020 benefited from multiple growth drivers, which together demonstrate the critical enabling role we play in the global semiconductor market. The wafer fab equipment industry growth witnessed in 2020 was driven primarily by recovery in memory spending starting in the NAND market. After a significant decline in NAND memory investments during 2019, multiple customers stepped up their investments in 2020 to advance their technology migration from 96 to 128 layers and beyond that to, to running 256 layers on key devices. NAND investments typically drive a favorable mix of etching deposition tools, and these process segments outgrew the overall wafer fab equipment market in 2020. This recovery in NAND and the resulting strong growth in etch and deposition systems was also evident in the year-over-year -year growth and relative outperformance reported by our largest OEM customers, for which etch and deposition are their primary served markets. All of these factors likewise benefited photocontrol, given our critical role in enabling precise control of etch processes. After growth of over 30% in 2020, NAND WFE investments are expected to continue to grow in 2021, albeit at a more modest rate. The primary driver of memory WFE growth this year is on the DRAM side. After a modest recovery in 2020, this year should see significant improvements in DRAM investments as the three industry leaders advance smaller sized DRAM nodes. At each step in the process, there is more etch and deposition capital intensity and more opportunity for photon control. In advanced logic and foundry, the transitions to 7 nanometer, 5 nanometer, and 3 nanometer all require more complex geometries and thus require more precise control of processes. This likewise creates greater opportunity for photon control. WFE investments in the logic and foundry segments continued at strong levels in 2020, growing to over half of the overall WFE, and investments in this segment are expected to increase again in 2021. This means that every major area within the semiconductor device industry is expected to expand their investments this year. Within that underlying growth, the technology trends underway indicate growing demand for process systems and increasing etch and deposition intensity. At the same time, more complex geometries, materials and processes 
require more precise control within each process chamber, which in turn creates growing opportunities for photon control. Hence, our 2020 results reflect the strength of the semiconductor industry, our people, our operations, our products, and our technology, supported with a customer-centric culture throughout the organization. Further, we believe all of these factors build a foundation for another strong year ahead for photon control in 2021. Before turning to our progress in our three key focus areas, I'd like to highlight the support of our customers and the efforts and dedication of photo control suppliers and employees who achieved this record year in 2020, especially in such a challenging operating environment. Our employees continue to display amazing resilience, resilience in dealing with the extraordinary circumstances resulting from the global COVID-19 pandemic. I'd like to now update you on our progress in our three key focus areas. Firstly, continuing to strengthen our core business. We are keenly focused on our core business as a critical subsystem supplier to the semiconductor industry, within which we intend to not only maintain, but to grow our share of the market. With widespread expectations of another growth year ahead for WFE in 2021, we appear to be in the second year of a multi-year growth cycle propelled by the convergence of multiple technical drivers, such as 5G, IoT, AI, and autonomous vehicles, as well as secular growth rates, the progression of work from home and high-performance computing, which all together are resulting in increased capital intensity for the semiconductor industry and higher levels of investment in fab technology and capacity. In other words, being an essential supplier to the wafer fab equipment market is a great place to be. We've continued our close collaboration and development programs with our key customers to ensure we continue to meet their needs. We continue to invest in research and development and recruit and develop our engineering talent to enable faster turnaround and development cycles in response to our customers' demand for novel solutions to address various challenges along their technology roadmaps. We expect these efforts and investments will continue to strengthen and gradually increase our share of our served markets, which on their own are healthy and growing. Now, turning to our second area of focus, which are our strategies to bolster our growth through new products and strategic partnerships. The introduction of new products is a core strategy that enables us to expand our served markets and overall customer footprint. A fundamental part of that strategy is to maintain a focus on innovation. I can report that we continue to progress with design wins for prototype and production. In the December quarter, we completed the testing of our high temperature probes for deposition processes with initial shipments to a leading OEM. This is an area we have talked about for future growth and it takes time to move from qualification to volume production. We also pursue our growth strategies through strategic partnerships and M&A. I'm pleased to report that we're seeing continued demand and opportunities following the Micronor asset acquisition, with sales into life sciences, energy, and aerospace sectors. This acquisition was a complementary expansion to Photon Control's offering to customers in the semiconductor and other high-tech industries. Although not having a material impact on the business, the Micronor acquisition is enabling us to gain exposure and better understanding of these industries. In addition, we are progressing well with strategic partnership with Fisons in Germany, 
via an exclusive worldwide license and distribution agreement for fiber brag rating FBG sensor solutions for the semiconductor industry and a non-exclusive distributor license outside the semiconductor industry. I'm pleased to say that the development activity is progressing well. And finally, our third key area of focus is prudent capital deployment and use of our cash. As I mentioned earlier, 2020 was a very robust year of cash generation for photo control. And today, we're in the strongest financial position in the company's history, with over $48 million in cash. The board and I review our capital allocation strategy on a quarterly basis as we determine what is the best use of cash. Currently, we believe the best use of cash is to continue investing in the business, to capitalize on favorable industry dynamics, and look for acquisition targets. In addition to acquisition of Micronor and the partnership with Fisons, we continue to pursue and evaluate further acquisitions and strategic partnerships that will accelerate our growth strategy. We also remain committed in investing in research and development, developing our people, and optimizing our manufacturing capacity to enable 100% on-time responsiveness to our customer demand. In summary, our positive results and outlook are the products of several underlying technology and market drivers that are increasing demand for our products. With a robust industry environment, we continue our focus on the strategies to expand our product portfolio, grow our share of our serve markets, all while prudently deploying capital in order to increase shareholder value. Every key end market within the semiconductor device industry is expected to increase their investments in WFE in 2021, with overall industry growth currently expected to be in the mid to high teens percentage range. Our objective is to continue to outperform industry growth on the top line and to continue to grow earnings faster than revenues on the bottom line. For the first quarter specifically, we expect demand in our semiconductor market to remain strong and based on our order backlog position and operating plan, we expect it to be a strong revenue quarter in the range of $16 million to $18 million. Overall, I'm pleased to see how everyone at Photon Control has come together as a team with remarkable dedication and resilience. And I'm delighted to be reporting another strong quarter and finish to fiscal 2020, in which our company successfully rose to the challenge of meeting customer demand in the midst of a global crisis. We continue to, to leverage our collective expertise and strong balance sheet to ensure the company is positioned to grow well into the future. Before I hand things over to Damien for his financial review, followed by the Q&A, I want to thank our customers, suppliers, employees, and shareholders for their continued support of Photon Control. Thank you. Thank you, Nigel, and good morning, everyone. I would now like to take the opportunity to walk you through our results announced this morning. We'll start with the financial performance of the company. All figures referenced in this conference call are Canadian dollars, the reporting currency of the company. Our revenue growth continues to be a key driver in our record financial performance for the physical year ended December 31, 2020 with annual revenue of $64.7 million, almost doubling our 2019 revenue of $32.7 million. Photon's revenues are strongly influenced by the overall capital expenditure in the WFE market, 
which Nigel has alluded to. Some of these key drivers include the data economy and AI. Our revenues significantly outgrew the WFE market, which we believe was in part due to being positively impacted by customers building stock and de-risking their supply chains in response to COVID-19 and normal inventory builds associated with an uptick in WFE spend. Our fourth quarter revenues contributed significantly to the record annual revenue by adding 14.9 million, which was a 69% increase over Q4 2019. Our Q3 2020 revenues were 16.3 million, and while we had expected a more profound drop in revenue in quarter four, our supply chain stabilized. Our Q4 revenues were exceeded our guidance of between 12 and 14 million. In Q4 2020, we started to see the impact of the strengthening Canadian dollar on our revenues, and we believe we will continue to feel these impacts in 2021. We continue to remain very positive about both our short-term and longer-term revenue prospects. From a short-term perspective, we can look to our order backlog, which grew from Q3 to Q4 by over 10% to 30.2 million, which is just below our record order backlog established in Q1 2020 of 30.9 million. Our order backlog which we defined as the unfilled value of sales orders received or scheduled for fulfillment is subject to change and is provided as an estimate only. The other metric we look to is our new productions, new product, new production introductions or MPI, which gives us a gauge of our longer term revenue growth prospects. Though MPI is more volatile as a metric due to products dropping out of the metric after three years, even though lifespans can be significantly longer than this, our NPI metric for both the quarter and year remains over 30% of total revenues. Our future revenue prospects will also be driven by the success of our research and development programs as we look to anticipate our customers' future needs and also address their current requirements. I am pleased to report that the fourth quarter saw a substantial increase in research and development programs with 12% of Q4 revenue or 1.8 million being put back into the business. Furthermore, our fiscal year 2020 research and development investment totaled 5.7 million or 9% of our total revenue. As mentioned in previous investor calls, we expect our gross margins to be in the 50 to 55% range, and we are pleased to announce that both our full year and fourth quarter margins exceeded these expectations. Our gross margin for the physical year was 60%, which was up 6% on the prior year and on our fourth quarter was 55%, also up on the prior year comparative. Notwithstanding, our Q4 2020 was lower than prior quarters in 2020, due primarily to customer mix and the aforementioned strengthening of the Canadian dollar. 
the company's revenue is predominantly earned in US dollars, while our cost base is principally based in Canadian. Our gross margin in 2020 benefited from higher revenue volumes, which meant that our fixed cost of sales were amortized over a larger revenue base. Additionally, we realized cost savings and variable costs of production through supply chain initiatives and by taking advantage of lower cost supplies compared to the same period in 2019. In dollar terms, our gross profit in 2020 rose by 120% to a record 38.7 million and 8.1 million in the fourth quarter, up 75% from the prior year, although down from Q3 2020 of 10.2 million. The company reported annual adjusted EBITDA of 22.8 million, or 35% of revenue, up over 200% compared to the prior period. Q4 2020 adjusted EBITDA was 3.7 million, or 25% of revenue, which was down on Q3 2020, but up 76% over the prior period. Adjusted EBITDA was impacted by the lower gross margins, which were explained earlier, but also driven in part by operating expenses. Operating expenses include research and development, general administration, and sales and marketing costs, and for the quarter were $5 million, an 11% increase over Q3 2020 and a 93% increase over the prior comparable period in 2019. We continue to invest heavily in research and development to address both market opportunities and servicing our existing and future client base. From a full year standpoint, our operating expenses included our 2020 profit sharing plan and long-term incentive plans to encourage our team to deliver value to our shareholders and customers and achieve our stated objectives for 2020 and beyond. Additionally, we are continuing to build our sales and marketing capacity in order to ensure we fully service our customers and focus on new and existing markets. For the fourth for the quarter, the company generated free cash flow defined as operating cash flow less capital expenditures of 2.5 million and record annual free cash flow of $17.5 million, which exceeded net income due to the deferral of tax payments into Q1 2021. With our financial performance discussed, I would now like to touch upon our financial position. I am pleased to indicate that Photon remains in excellent financial health. Our working capital position has steadily grown over the last six quarters and now sits at 50.6 million versus 50.3 million at the end of Q3 2020, which includes cash and cash equivalents of 48.4 million, or the equivalent of 46 cents per share. During Q4 2020, the company acquired a vertical lift mod- module to expand warehouse storage and capacity and manufacturing equipment to assist with rapid prototyping capabilities as we prioritize lead time reduction strategies and anticipate customer needs. 
Year-to-date investments have included the Micronaut Asset Acquisition and the FISENS License Agreement that will help serve as catalysts in delivering our growth initiatives into new markets. Inventory as of December 31, 2020 was 8.8 million, slightly down from Q3 2020 of 9.1 million. From a borrowing perspective, the company remains debt-free and is well positioned to continue to execute on its growth objectives. The company has built slightly higher inventory levels partially in response to a general move in the industry to de-risk supply chain by building access stock in response to COVID-19. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our prepared remarks in respect of the company's financial performance and position. As Nigel said, we are delighted and proud to be reporting another strong quarter and our company's success in meeting robust customer demand in the midst of a global crisis. I would now like to turn back to the operator for any questions. Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The first question comes from Amr Azat with Echelon Partners. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, my first one's on your outlook. It looks like you'll be at a record um, Q1 despite the currency working against you. Um, I'm just wondering if you could give us an update on uh, your capacity and utilization rates. Um, how much product can you guys drive out of your current facilities? Okay, th thanks, Amir, for the question. Um, I think we've touched on previously. We currently are running a single shift at the manufacturing facility in Richmond, Canada. Um, therefore, we have significant capacity available if we're required to 
even double the output of the facility because the facility is, is well capitalized. We've invested in flow lines, but as I said, it is just today running on a single shift operation. So there is plenty of available capacity and it is well utilized and we have a very strong supply chain filling that capacity from our network. Great. Um, so I guess your clients are speaking to a very healthy spending environment as, as you echoed um, during your prepared remarks. Um, we're talking about WFE levels maybe in the 70s or close to, close to there. Um, and that was before a lot of these semicolon shortages we are seeing. Um, I know you don't typically give guidance beyond one quarter, but can you give us a sense of what you're seeing on your end? How much visibility do you have on the second half of the year? Um, because the talks of a lot of your clients were like strength in the first half um, and a question mark on the second half. Yeah, I think um, as you understand the, the, the industry we're in, it's always very difficult to predict more than one quarter out. And, and that's we, we, traditionally, and we really only really give that one quarter of guidance. Um, but you're right, our, our, our customers are giving I think now from some initial views about maybe the second half slowing to now the second half also being strong and the full year remaining strong. And I think we're seeing that really being echoed from all of our customers now. So I think overall, we see the year being pretty strong right through 2021 and therefore no second half decline. Great. That's that's good to hear. That's uh... Um, on the geo mix uh, for the full year, you, you guys like more than doubled your revenues in Asia, and it seems like your your new distributors are doing a good job. Um, can you give us a sense of where we sit now in terms of um, penetrating this market? Should I should I still look at this as a greenfield sales opportunity, or do you guys view yourselves as um, sort of well penetrated in line with your United States geography? Yeah, I think, I think the, the big opportunity is still um, in Korea. I think if we look at the change of distributor we announced before to Wuhan, um, it is early days, but we're getting them fully trained. We've got products going through them for evaluation at OEMs in Korea. And, and we think there's an opportunity there for us to build um, a stronger position in that market. I think we were very well established elsewhere, but I think that's for me was the one area where we wanted to do a change, hence we changed the distributor. Okay, so it's still a lot of greenfield opportunities. Uh, that's that's good to hear. Then I guess on your R&D, just, just wondering what you can share with us in terms of new products and market opportunities. Are are these early stage NPI investments or things that, can, uh, that we could see play out shorter term? I mean, you spoke to uh, to shipments into the deposition segment, for example, in your prepared remarks. Um, how, how fast can we see that ramp in 2021? I think from, from my experience, we've talked about this before, if you look at the typical cycle time, I mean, it's this industry is, you know, it's, it's dynamic and, t and drives technology, but also it is risk averse on technology. So typically, the OEMs will evaluate a product for three to six months. Um, that then product will then go to an end user for three to six months. So it could be a time of from supplying prototypes could be 12 months before we see revenue. Um, the key within that is to make sure those products are focused around challenges that they have from a technology perspective. 
So if you solve a challenge, you can come through quicker. At the moment, we believe our technology, especially the new technology around high-temperature probes and the FPG technology, is early days for development, evaluations, and prototyping through 2021. And revenues were targeting the end of the year. Great. How, how about for the uh, deposition segment? That is, so the high-temperature probe is focused on the deposition segment, which is, as you know, is a new segment for us, one that's clearly growing. One, some of the newer te technology spaces within it, such as atomic layer deposition, are requiring higher temperatures, and there's RF environments now being included, and that's bringing opportunities for fiber optics for the future. Great, thanks. Uh, maybe a couple of questions for, for Damien. Um, on the gross margin, 55%, um, as you mentioned, it's it's uh, better than your longer-term goal and historicals, but the last few quarters you were at 60% plus. Um, you guys spoke to product mix, and I assume there's a bit of fixed-cost leverage working against you in, in Q4. Um, any thoughts on how GM uh, should evolve going forward in light of higher revenue levels, um, presumably over the next couple of quarters? Is 55 still a good number to use, or can we see that um, trend upwards again? I think our longer-term view, and Nigel stated this on conference calls before um, and investor calls, is, is still in that 50 to 55 range. Obviously, we are certainly uh, benefiting from um, the higher volumes, but if we also look to our FX right now, yeah, the first nine months, we probably yeah, averaged three or four cents higher than we did in Q4, and I think if you were to take a look at any um, Canadian US FX chart right now, you can see that the Canadian dollar has continued to strengthen, and last time I had a look at it, it's about 1.24. Um, so certainly we've got those headwinds against us, um, but we'll try to uh, offset that as much as possible through our um, uh, revenue, uh, through our volumes, um, and, and try to still achieve those 50 to 55 percent margins. Great. Um, then, then maybe um, on the OPEX side. Um, so I, I see that you guys are layering in um, some investments. I know part were like long-term comp. Um, than some of the R&D that you spoke to, um, trying to get a sense of these investments over the next couple of quarters, is an all-in $5 million a good number to use, or can we see that intensity uh, increase further? I think on the research and development side of things, uh, we continue to see a number of opportunities, certainly with the investment that we're putting into FBG and the uh, agreement that we have with Fisense. I think for 2020, we probably averaged around 9% um, of our revenues. Um, obviously, Q4 was higher at about 12%. I would expect us to continue to invest at those levels. So if you we were modeling sort of that 10 to 12% of uh, you know, R&D of revenue, I think that's a reasonable sort of number. Um, and I expect that the GNA would probably stay in similar percentages as it has done uh, with Q4. Great, thanks. I'll pass the line. The next question comes from Deepak Kaushal with Stifle GMP. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, happy to be part of the call. Um, you know, I apologize in advance, Nigel and Damien, if I'm asking some rookie questions here, but um, if you allow me, I have a couple. Um, 
just on on 2020, you know, are you able to quantify the impacts from the inventory build that your customers went through in 2020 and and give us a sense of is that permanent or will that unwind at some point and and how you have to backfill that with with new demand? How should we think of that uh, 2020 bump? Yeah, so I mean, the, the our customers don't tell us exactly what their inventory they hold of our products. But if you look at our OEMs or listen to their calls, they've all increased inventory considerably through the year, and they've sort of ended their years with sort of record highs of inventory. On the prior calls, I've said it, it could be ending from three to five million dollars worth of inventory build, because um, as you saw from our profile through the year, Q1 was our record quarter, and that was driven by the OEMs asking us to ship as much product as we could. Um, from our facility into their facilities. So we had we had a boost in Q1 and some of that in Q2. Hence, you saw our Q4 being slapped down compared to our Q1. So I think there is probably three to five million in there. And, and, and typically in any semiconductor upturn, after doing this for many years, you do get some inventory build on a semiconductor upturn. Um, and I think as you, as you hear now, the, the, the messages being sort of portrayed into the industry from our customers, saying this year is strong, it may stay strong for a couple of years, um, but I think we've certainly got two years of, of growth at least. I think that will see inventory staying up. You see inventory coming down when you start to see a semiconductor downturn, and, and um, anyone's, it's very hard to predict when that might happen. You know, I think if you think about the continued need for demand, the continued growth in semiconductor devices, um, I think the market looks and the, and the industry looks very healthy, um, but I, I would say we, we've assumed three to five million for the for the COVID build. There, there could be one to two of, of extra build there for the semi upturn. Interesting. Okay, so so all that to say that you know, even the COVID build seems to be a permanent build, and, and you wouldn't expect a drawdown on that until there's there's more of a, a downturn, so to speak, in the market or a cooling off of the growth expectations. Yeah, I think if you, if you listen to the OEMs, it seems the market seems very strong. There's shortage of chips, so it's staying pretty healthy. But there's absolutely a nervousness around the COVID pandemic. You know, we're running, we're an essential supplier. We're running this facility in a very controlled way. We make sure everyone's safe. We're putting in temperature checks as people come in. And if you look across into Europe now with a sort of third or fourth wave of the pandemic starting in Italy and other places, it's important we stay safe here. And therefore, I think because of the potential more variants, potential continuation of the virus, um, until everyone's got vaccinated and that's fully rolled out, I think people will be remain incredibly cautious uh, and therefore maintain inventory levels. And that's what, that's what we're going to do as a business. We're going to hold the inventory high. We're to ensure we actually have the protocols in place. We're going to make sure we operate safely. Um, and I think, therefore, I will see that staying in place for some time. Excellent. That's very helpful. And you mentioned shortages globally. I mean, we read about this in the newspaper every day. Um, and there's, you know, we also look at geopolitics. And, and I'm curious, are you seeing the potential for more strategic sourcing and geographic strategic sourcing of, of semiconductor supply? And could that change the, the growth profile the, of the outlook for the next couple of years? Like, you know, Europe looking to, to, to create, you know, manufacturing or more local capabilities within Europe or North America, or, or is this still largely going to be 
an Asian-dominated fab industry? Well, if if you if I if I just, if I just quote from the press, I think if you if you look at what's been announced in, in the in the news, you've got Europe wanting to catch up and put heavy investments into semiconductors. You've got potential investments by people even like Apple into Europe. So this Europe is saying they're going to expand and see further investments and make semiconductors even more strategic. The U.S. If you if you look at any of the press in the U.S., the U.S. is is freeing up land and supporting. You know, multiple facilities potentially for some of the Taiwanese and Korean investments to come into the U.S. You're seeing the U.S. players announcing potential expansions. You're seeing China fundamentally seeing semiconductors as absolutely a strategic industry and maintaining critical investments and supporting that. And you're seeing that you know investments from other Asian players into China. Korea is, is continuing to invest and it is a global powerhouse. And you're even seeing some of the fabs in Japan coming back. So it's, how would I, could I predict it? I think we potentially have got um, investments over the next couple of years across the globe. And therefore, it's, for us, it's, it's having sort of one hub that's strategic, that can meet the demand, can maintain 100% on-time delivery and support that growth is key. Um, so it's very difficult to predict where that, what the shape of the industry is going to look out five years' time. All I know is everyone's announcing stuff. Every government wants to support it. And therefore, there's got, I think, continued potential for growth of this industry. But it's very hard to predict where it's going to be. I, I still personally believe Asia will still be the strongest. But I think you're going to see multiple investments in Europe and USA. Excellent. That's, that's very helpful. And then just if I, if I may, one last question uh, in, a, in a different dimension. I know it's early days with Micronor. I'm just wondering if you could you know, rank some of their uh, vertical markets or application segments um, in, in kind of the order of interest that you're seeing in, with respect to opportunity, not necessarily the size they are today, but what they could be tomorrow. And, and, and how much capital do you, do you expect to allocate to that division over the next you know, year or two? I think for me, you know, Mike and Orr has got a, a phenomenal team of, of technology and, and expertise, and they've built up a very solid base and, and they've been running, we ran last year, we ran over a million um, dollars in revenues, which was ahead of our plan when we acquired the business. So they achieved in line with my expectation, which was great. They made some great success and in penetration into energy, um, both into fusion reactors where some of the encoders are positioned. They've done some work around transformers um, in the energy sector. So I, I think the energy sector for me is probably the one area where, where they've actually got the highest strength and the most focus, um, but they've also played. We've seen them get success with the, the new fiber brand technology from Fisons um, into a life science application. So for me, they've got a multiple sets of industries they, they look at, um, and the key for me is about learning what they're doing well, leveraging some of that expertise to support our engineering groups as well, um, and giving us some insights where we actually should be looking to do the next acquisition. So it's about supporting some of our engineering whilst we look for the next acquisition. Okay, excellent. So, so not necessarily a heavy organic allocation to R&D in that division, but more of insights into where you might allocate your next big chunk on M&A. Is that, is that a fair take? Yeah, so you, you, you could see us moving from sort of one or two engineers to four or five engineers there, but we've got a phenomenal team of sort of 50 plus engineers here in Richmond who drive the base business. 
and maintain the, you know, the clinical focus on securing and establishing and growing our semiconductor product lines. So they will complement that, and they've got some great innovation, some great engineers, and I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased and proud of the, the, the team down there. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much for taking my questions. I will pass on. Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. The next question comes from Daniel Rosenberg with Paradigm Capital. Please go ahead. Hi, congrats on a strong quarter. I wanted to follow up on the gross margin expectations. Um, I, I, with all the demand coming from various sectors and industries, what does that mean for your product mix? I'm trying to understand how much of gross margin movement will be coming from currency versus product mix. Um, just, just to give you, a, as, as you know, we have multiple customers, and, and depending on the mix of the customers, the mix of the products, the margin does move. Um, if, if I look to the future, it, one thing is to get a bit more stability around some of those product lines, which we're doing, um, and try and even out some of that margin um, fluctuation by customers by quarter. But at the moment, yeah, I think you're going to see still see some fluctuations by quarter, depending on the mix of, of products and customers that we sell to. I don't know, Damien, you want to add to that? Yeah, no, there will be some variability, and we, Nigel's talked about the inventory uh, stocking associated with COVID, and I think in Q4 we did see a, um, a negative hit to our customer mix, principally probably because of some uh, use of some of that stock on hand. We expect that to normalize into 2021 and recover. So the, the the hit that we took from a margin perspective on a customer basis um, will hopefully reverse somewhat in 2021, but it, it will go up and down based on not only the customer mix, but also the product mix. Okay. Um, and I wanted to ask about uh, Fisense and Cyberbrag opportunities. In terms of new products uh, and pilots, that you're currently exploring. Can you provide some color on the opportunities you're seeing or the challenges, whatever feedback you're getting from your partners? Um, what can we expect there? Yes, yeah, so what so in Fison's technology was, de, was developed for alternative industries such as wind turbines and so on for strain applications. Um, and we identified that the, the form factor and their unique patented technology would enable the um, deployment of that technology into several applications in the semiconductor sector, both inside the process tool and outside the process tool. So what we've done so far, the last, and we said we said it would take about six months to get the product, I suppose, semiconductorized is a good word to use. So we've taken the technology, um, ensured it meets the semiconductor industry standards and specifications, which are pretty unique and pretty stringent. It includes different types of protocols for uh, communication interfaces. So we've done and executed that, and we said that would take us to the end of last year, and we did, and that's resulted in products now moving to the evaluation stage. So, so for me, it was a great achievement by our team and their team to get that product to a state we could actually now put prototypes out into the market. Um, that technology enables multi-point sensing on a single fiber. So compared to our traditional one-point sensing on a fiber, we can now put 20 to 30 sensors on a fiber. 
that enables the, the, the application of that inside a chamber, whether it be on a chamber wall or whether it be outside the chamber on, on gas lines, etc. And what we're trying to do is, is give the OEMs an opportunity to give additional temperature sensing capability as they move to sort of smaller and smaller alignments, the next generation nodes, increase the number of process steps, that them and they're trying to ensure that we have chamber-to-chamber -chamber matching between each process tool. It's critical that whether it be gas temperature, chemical temperature, electrostatic chuck temperature, the temperature profile in the process chamber has to be maintained at a critical level. And we believe the FPG technology um, is a way of helping them get better uniformity. So it'll go through now evaluation at an OEM, it'll go through evaluation at end users, and over the next 12 months, We'll get some real feedback, and if it does give you a benefit, it'll be adopted. Um, so it's, 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 I think for me, it's pretty exciting. It's a game changer in the industry, but it is early days, and we said it would take six months to get it to an evaluation, but we hit that absolutely on track. It's now going to have to go through evaluation, and, and it's about the, the getting feedback from our customers, which will happen over the next two quarters, and then we'll see where that goes. But I'm, I'm, overall, I'm very excited about the partnership. I'm very excited about the technology. And I think we believe we have the smallest form factor FPG technology on the market, uniquely positioned in the semiconductor sector. So I think it's going to be great for the future. Okay, great. Thanks for taking my questions. This concludes the question and answer session and today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.